Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's now time to enter the Sports Zone with your host, Bob Kemp. Najee Harris, the back, second and goal. And pick it, end zone shot, and Pickens caught it! Inbounds, yes! Touchdown! The spectacular rookie has done it again! Colts, will they have enough to finish this game? As Frank Reich said, here's Taylor. Taylor's gonna finish it! Jonathan Taylor to the house! Good night! But all night, Jonathan Taylor, Quentin Nelson, this offensive line has been spectacular. Wow, on the move, four seconds left, got a man, it's caught! Touchdown! Cobb somehow got free! And the Cardinals with two seconds left are going to go for two in the lead. Brian Cobb's got both feet down, Cardinals will go for two with two seconds remaining. Mercado wrapped up, but pushes the pile towards the goal line and in! Great run by Mercado to get the Cardinals the lead with two seconds left. Gurriel takes his timeout, steps back in. 3-2 from Nick Martinez. High fly ball, left field, Lairdis Gurriel Jr. And we're tied! Well, Torrey Lavello pushed the button, and Gurriel connected. We tied up with one swing. And it's a three and two count on Gary Sanchez. Cronenworth on the move. Swag and a miss. Seawald shuts the door, and the Diamondbacks win the series. They are back at 500, but are they back? Now that remains to be seen. Shohei ready. And the 3-1 pitch. And this is lifted high in the air. It's hit well in the center field, but making the running catch about seven or eight feet from the rim of the track is the center fielder, Mickey Moniak. And Shohei Otani has done it today in Detroit. His first major league shutout as Otani wins his ninth game of the season. First down here ends it. Power formation up front. Brown will keep it, pushes the pile forward. Anthony Brown first down, and the Hayes in the barn. As the Ravens will win their 24th consecutive preseason game. Dial 602-260-1060. That's 602-260-1060. Or tweet the show at KDUSAM1060. And now, here's your sports own guide, Bob Kemp, on KDUSAM1060. And welcome to the Monday, August 14th edition of the Sports Zone. Not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis. In today's Sports Zone, right here on KDUS AM 1060 and Castlux HD 2 100.7, the Steelers over or under 8.5 wins in 2023, the Colts over or under 6.5 wins in 2023, the Cardinals, does Friday night's win matter? The Diamondbacks, did they figure out something over the weekend? The Angels should Shohei Otani, Shohei Otani, he tried to say, should Shohei Otani pitch again this season. The NFL preseason, is anything meaningful happening in week one? Did anything strike 
your get your attention? Was anything meaningful out there at all? And also, what else caught your eye since our last show? Here's today's schedule lineup on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday. In moments, we'll have the introduction of today's pipeline. 9.15 or so, we'll have a 2023 Indianapolis Colts preview. George Bremer will join us from the Herald Bulletin. 9.30 or so to be interactive action at 602-260-1060. And also the local roundup. That will include some Cardinals and Diamondbacks from the weekend. Then the final segment of the sports zone will be the national roundup. That will be topped by from the MLB scoreboard. Then after the sports zone from 10 to noon it is the extra point. Hosted by Caleb, that include a 2023 Steelers preview. Ray Fittipaldo will join us from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. On to the pipeline we go. Time for today's pipeline, where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. And we start with the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. And today's question is, the 2023 Pittsburgh Steelers over or under eight and a half wins. And Kayla is here. And first up, I want to thank Kayla for uh, filling in for me on Thursday and Friday and uh, doing her uh, even more than what she usually does, which is amazing in itself. But uh, thanks for that. And uh, she also has the updated results over or under eight and a half wins for the Steelers in 2023. Glad you're feeling better, Bob. Under eight and a half leads the way at 67% of the vote, over trailing at 33%. The Steelers have not uh, missed the play. Uh, actually, they have uh, not uh, you know, been under 500 in Mike Tomlin's 16 seasons, but they are just three and seven in their last 10 playoff games. They have zero playoff wins since January of 2017, and they failed to reach the postseason in three of the last five years. Meanwhile, today's Twitter poll question, the 2023 Indianapolis Colts are over or under six and a half wins. And Kayla, what's going on here? Under six and a half wins at 75% of the vote over, trailing at 25%. This is on Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. The uh, Colts are starting another season with another new starting quarterback and a mysterious running back situation, even though first-year head coach Shane Steichen said on Sunday that Jonathan Taylor should return to camp this week. Seems to be a very vague comment there from the first-year head coach. Meanwhile, on the local front, the Cardinals are unbeaten. That's something I didn't anticipate saying at any point in 2023, even the preseason. But they are 1-0 after Friday night's 28-17 fourth-quarter rally to beat the Broncos in the preseason opener. Does it mean anything that the Cardinals won that preseason opener? Meanwhile, the Diamondbacks' losing streak ended, which is good for them, but not all that unexpected because they faced uh, the Padres, who were somehow, according to the metrics nerds, still a dangerous team. Did the Diamondbacks figure it out with their weekend series victory over the Padres? Meanwhile, Spain, the Globe. Even the Angels apparently recognize the obvious. Really, it was Shohei Otani who told the Angels that he's worn out and he will not be the starting pitcher on Wednesday against Texas because of arm fatigue, pitching arm fatigue. He's going to continue to DH, but he's not going to pitch on Wednesday night. So, should free agent to be Shohei Otani not pitch again this season? Meanwhile, week uh, number one of the NFL preseason, it's over with. The so called drama is always non existent. But you wouldn't know it by the media onslaught of alleged news. Did anything meaningful happen during the first week of the NFL preseason? 
Also, in addition to all these excellent questions and topics, what else caught your eye since our last show? That is the pipeline for today. We get to all these tremendous topics and much more during today's sensational radio program. Anything else in your mind falls into the general discussion category. So whether it's from the pipeline or a sports topic on your mind, 602-260-1060, or you can tweet the show at KDUSAM1060 or twitter.com slash KDUSAM1060. Basically, the only rules are accuracy and objectivity. If you violate those rules or if you're just simply bad, you will be the target of this. Coming up next, Corey will have a news update. That will be followed by a preview of the 2023 Indianapolis Colts, including maybe the latest on Jonathan Taylor. George Bremer scheduled to join us from the Herald Bulletin. Once again, at the bottom of the hour, phone call time, general discussion, 602-260-1060, plus the local roundup, topped by uh, some observations of the Cardinals' preseason victory in the opener uh, against the Broncos, and also the Diamondbacks actually won a series, just the second series victory for the Diamondbacks since the All-Star break, who still have the worst record in baseball since July the 1st. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD2 100.7. Extra Point with local and national topics, betting lines, and banter. Weekdays 10 to noon on KTUS AM 1060, KTUS1060.com, and the KTUS 1060 app. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KTUS AM 1060 and KS HD2 100.7. You're home to Dan Patrick Show, live Monday through Friday from 6 to 9 a.m. The 2023 Indianapolis Colts will have yet another different starting quarterback in addition to this season, a new head coach, and some mystery at running back. Out to the KDUS hotline we go. We're now joined the sports by George Bremer of the Herald Bulletin. And, George, always good to have you. Let's start with Jonathan Taylor. New head coach Shane Steichen said on Sunday that Taylor should return to camp this week, which seems to be kind of a vague comment. Uh, George, what's going on with the Colts and Taylor? Nothing good. I mean, it's been, you know, been pretty much a standoff uh, since the day everyone reported to camp. Uh, and there's not been a lot of detail out there. You know, he's been off-site the past week, uh, apparently rehabbing the same ankle injury that, that cost him six games last year, uh, which is concerning in and of itself. Uh, if, you know, if that's more a health situation or it's more involved with contract standoff, uh, remains to be seen. But either way, uh, it just doesn't seem like the two sides are coming that much closer together. Uh, even in this instance, with uh, Coach Sykin saying that JT is going to be back this week, they don't have an exact date. They don't know, you know, exactly when it's going to happen. They have just three practices left in training camp in Westfield. The last two are with the Bears on Wednesday and Thursday, uh, and they don't know if he'll be on the field. That still needs medical clearance. Uh, it's it's been an ugly situation. Uh, you know, him coming back into training camp is probably something of a step forward. But at this point, there's still no end to this, this you know, standoff in sight. 
you know, are we past the point where this is like, a, you know, obviously there's a lot of drama here. Could this just become a, a season-long issue? Or, you know, you know, how do we, you know, I know you just tried to describe it there, but from afar it seems to be highly confusing. Oh, it's even up close. It's highly confusing. There, there's no question about that. Uh, it, it escalated very quickly from a situation that seemed like uh, there might be a little bit of tension because, you know, the running back market is what it is uh, to, you know, where there was basically an elementary school fight, a food fight going on uh, on social media for a while between the owner and, and Taylor's agent. And, uh, you know, where this ends remains to be seen. At this point, both sides are, are pretty dug in in their respective positions. The Colts are saying they're not going to trade him. They're also not going to talk extension with him right now. Uh, Taylor's been saying that you know, he wants some assurances before he gets back out there on the field, puts his body at risk. He wants some assurances beyond this season. There's a deadline obviously coming up for both of them September 10th with that, that week one game against Jacksonville. And I guess we'll see you know who's willing to budge. They, they both have something to lose. Obviously the Colts want Taylor out there. They want him to be able to help develop their rookie quarterback, uh, give him some different looks from defenses, all the things he can bring to the offense. And Taylor's going to have to weigh, you know, does the risk of playing this year on the final year of your rookie contract, is that more worth it than, than sitting out and, you know, trying to find out how teams see you a year from now, especially with the questions around that ankle and, you know, can he get back to being the player he was in 2021? The perception of owner Jim Irsay, what, what is it from the players? I mean, I'm probably not talking on the record about that, but in the fan base, does it even matter? Yeah, I mean, the fan base is upset right now, as you can imagine. But it's it's interesting because they've been split. You know, you've got people who are saying uh, that running backs should just understand that they don't make any money and, you know, that they should be grateful for what they do get, which I think is funny because I imagine you don't take that approach in your own job. I don't. I know that. Uh, and then you've got another side saying, you know, hey, this is ridiculous. Just, just get him in here. You know, mend this. Find a way to fix the situation. Uh, which you would think should be possible. I don't know if it is now, as far down the road they've gotten. But, uh, you know, we've seen other situations like this eventually come around. For a long time, it looked like Lamar Jackson wasn't going to suit up anymore in Baltimore, and they were able to find a compromise and, and make that happen. Saquon Barkley went through, you know, his drama with the Giants. Uh, this is just a massive distraction on the outside. I will say, from the player's standpoint, you don't really – sense a lot of it out there at camp. I think part of that is this is sort of a selfish time of year. You know, you're you're working on you. You're trying to you're yeah. trying to make the team. You're trying to be a starter. You're trying to be a pro bowler, whatever your personal goal is. Uh, but as the regular season gets closer and closer, I think you're going to start to see it become a, a bigger distraction to the team. George Bremer of the Herald Bolton, currently in the sports zone as we preview the Colts. When Taylor was healthy before he was injured last season, he was running behind an offensive line that was Highly thought of before the season, but not got good last season. Was that group overrated? And do you think that group will play better this season? They better. I mean, I think that's one of the biggest question marks they've got. And Taylor stuff has overshadowed most of the camp. When you've got a rookie quarterback in Anthony Richardson, who may or may not start the season, whenever he's out there, his development is incredibly impacted by by the play of the offensive line. I think that's pretty obvious to, to anybody. You know, if they can't – and first-year head coach in Shane Sykin, who's trying to install his program, install the way he wants to do things, 
if they if they can't get consistent play up front, none of that's going to work. It won't matter who the running back is. The development of the quarterback is going to suffer. The install of the offense is going to suffer. They have right now uh, a lot of faith in, in their new offensive line coach, Tony Sperano Jr., who seems to have come in, taken a very hands-on, details-oriented uh, approach that, that the players have really responded to. I think they feel like the health of the offensive line, both mentally and physically, is better than it was a year ago. Uh, but, you know, the bottom line is they need guys like Quentin Nelson and Ryan Kelly and Braden Smith, who are the length, the anchors of this unit, to get back to, to the style of play that they had from 2018 through, you know, 2020, uh, where they were all at or near a Pro Bowl level and were the leaders of this group. If those three get back on track and you get a second-year leap from Bernard Ryman at left tackle, they could make a big improvement right away. If it looks at all like it did a, a year ago, I think it will sink everything else they're trying to do. Back to Steichen. I mean, this is a you know, first-year head coach, and I've got all this drama with owner ownership and the organization and Taylor. How's he handled that, do you think? And uh, also, uh, if it wasn't for the Taylor thing, I'd be asking pretty much first with Steichen. I assume he's going to be the play caller uh, in his first year as a head coach. Yeah, he's going to call the plays. Uh, he's been remarkably calm through all of this. You wonder how a first-year head coach is kind of deal with it. Uh, he's just kind of taken that approach that, that all the coaches do. You know, I can only coach the guys that are here, and my job is, is to coach the team and, and not to worry about anything else. There was one practice in particular where he was kind of in the back of the end zone chatting very amiably with Taylor uh, while the other guys were warming up. So there's, there's no, you know, that's not where Johnson's fight is. There doesn't seem to be any animosity between Taylor and, and the head coach or between Taylor and his teammates. It's obviously the front office that, that he's got, you know, the issues with right now. And Steichen's just been kind of rolling with the punches. I think he's excited a little bit by the, the chance to work with Richardson. I mean, everybody's brought mm -hmm. up the Jalen Hurts comparisons and the style of play. Uh, and I think really all of his focus has been on trying to get this offense built around that rookie uh, and again, I think it's one of those things that it'll be interesting to see how that mindset changes as you know we get closer and closer to, to week one and games that count. Okay, so let's get into that a little bit. Steichen, obviously the offensive coordinator of Philadelphia, mentioned the Hurts thing. They you know they became NFC champion, uh, you know NFC champions. Uh, you know, the they have an offensive, they have an elite offensive line in Philadelphia. They have receiving uh, playmakers in those spots. Uh, what's a realistic expectation for Colts quarterback Anthony Richardson, who was more of a runner than an accurate thrower at the University of Florida? Yeah, I think right now it's, there's growing pains. And I think that's something everybody in the organization has kind of acknowledged from the moment they drafted him fourth overall, that there might be more bad than good this year. Uh, a lot of that comes down to what's around him as well. I mean, he's he's only got 13 starts since he was a high school senior, 14 counting, you know, the, the quarter he played Saturday uh, in preseason. So you're talking about a guy that still needs a lot of polish, and they understand that. I think they want to get him out there as quick as possible. They feel like he's going to learn more on the field, uh, and it's going to pay more dividends down the road that way than, than necessarily watching for the bench uh, because he's shown command of the huddle. He's shown he can pick up the offense quickly. Uh, he's shown he's a highly intelligent guy with a really strong work ethic. I think those things, he's won over the locker room. Uh, those things make them confident right now, and at least you know putting him 1A with Gardner Minshew. Uh, but again, I think so much is out of his control. He's going to have to be a more consistent passer. 
he's going to have to be more consistent in everything he does to make this offense work. But he's going to need protection up front. They're going to need to open up running lanes for him and whoever the running back is. They're going to need a big jump in year two from Alex Pierce. They're going to need Michael Pittman to play like a guy on a contract year and step up. There's a lot of work to do, and I think the overall feeling is it's kind of an evaluation year. They're going to find out if they've got some dudes and, and you know what they can build around here for, for years to come. So do you think Richardson will be the week one starter in Jacksonville? I think that's what they would like to see happen. I don't think they're going to hand it over, uh, but I think it's kind of telling that, that he started this, this first preseason game. Uh, obviously, Gardner Minshew knows this system. He knows Shane Steichen been there in Philadelphia the last few years with him. Uh, they feel like they can go in and, and play with him if they need to. But I think if you're going to put everybody in that building on a lie detector, uh, they absolutely want the outcome to be that, that Anthony Richardson starts from, from day one. Meanwhile, the defense last year without uh, stud linebacker Shaquille Leonard, and, and they also lost corner Kenny Moore for about the third of the season. They're both back. What are the expectations for those two in the defense this year? Yeah, defense is sort of in the same boat as the offense. They've got more experience at those two key positions that you just mentioned, and they've got a really good anchor up front with the force Butner and, and Grover Stewart, but We've got a lot of young pass rushers right now who are competing to, to start on the edge, uh, and there's not a lot of proven production there. Guys like Quiddy Pay and Dio Dangbo have flashed at moments. Uh, they feel good about them when they're healthy, but they haven't been able to stay healthy for a full season yet. Uh, and then you've got some other guys like Taekwon Lewis, Samson Ebicom, who are veterans who kind of fill in in that role. Secondary is, is full of rookies and second-year undrafted free agents. Uh, those cornerback spots on the outside are are wide open. They've been, you know, in constant competition, rotation there, just trying to figure out who the two starters are going to be. That's a bad combination in this league. You know, without a proven pass rush and with an inexperienced secondary, uh, that could lead to to some really long afternoons. Now, Shaq being back, being in pads, making his debut on Saturday, those are all good signs. But I think him and Kenny Moore have got a lot of work to do as leaders of this really young and inexperienced defense. We're previewing the, uh, previewing the Colts with uh, George Bremer of the Herald Bulletin. Okay, the Colts in free agency, uh, you know, they spend money. They had kicker Matt Gay, four years, $22.5 million, but their special teams coach, Bubba Ventrone, uh, he left for Cleveland. Uh, should we assume that the Colts special teams, other than Gay, might decline some this season? Yeah, I mean, I think Ventrone did a great job here. It was probably the most consistent unit on this team in the six years that he was here. Uh, you know, and so I think there's going to be a really big hill to climb there. Brian Mason is his first-time NFL special teams coordinator. Did a really good job last year at Notre Dame, but this is obviously a different level. Uh, you've got some familiar faces back there, which I think is good for him in terms of uh, Gunners and, you know, some of the other guys. Hunter Rigoberto Sanchez is back, which is a really big – step forward for this team after the torn Achilles last year that that cost them the entire season. Uh, But I think that's another, it feels like that's the theme for this team this year. Uh, Everything is in flux. Everything is being evaluated and everything's filled with young faces who are, you know, they're trying to find out what they've got. Okay. So in flux, uh, the Colts consensus win total is six and a half over under six and a half wins in 2023. I would say under. You know, I, I think it's going to be unlikely, and all likely, that four, five, six win season. Uh, I think their hope is that as they as they go through the year, they're better. You know, in December than they were in November. 
uh, and maybe there at the end they, they look like a team that can compete next year. Uh, but they know this is going to be a, a growing pain season, uh, and there's a lot of work to be done. And I think you saw it even you know tied any of the game on Saturday. Uh, interception early from Anthony Richardson. He did a good job bouncing back, finishing well. Uh, but the offense, as it did a year ago, struggled in short yardage, struggled uh, with penalties in the red zone, shot itself in the foot, and kept them off off the scoreboard while the first team was out there. I think you're going to see a lot of that this year. And the hope is that, uh, you know, again, as the season goes on, they're able to clean up some of those mistakes and, and get better, you know, with each passing week. Last up, how do you handicap the AFC South? I think it's got to be Jacksonville's division to lose at this point. I mean, the way they finished last year, Trevor Lawrence being the best quarterback in the, in the division, uh, you know, I think they're coming in. It's got to be them as the favorite. Tennessee seems like they're kind of in a maybe last gas, go for it kind of mode. You know, they, they're getting ready to transition to, to whatever's next, but it looks like they want to make one more run here with Ryan Tannehill uh, and, and see if they can catch the Jaguars. And then I think Houston's in a very similar position to Indianapolis right now, just starting over with a new head coach, a rookie quarterback, and trying to lay the foundation for the next few years there. George, this is great. I appreciate it as always. Thanks, and uh, good luck with the drama. No problem. Thanks a lot. Our pleasure. George Bremer of the Herald Bulletin. Good stuff there, always, always. A little schedule analysis. They don't have a real tough first five games, even I understand it's the Colts, and you know, not many expectations here, but yeah, they start adding, uh, you know, with Jacksonville, we mentioned that. Then they're, uh, they play Houston, Baltimore. Baltimore at Baltimore would be tough, obviously. Home against the Rams and then home against Tennessee. Not the most brutal start to a season of the schedules we've gone through. They do have, you know, a brutal schedule stretch later. Just on, they play one home game between November 5th and December the 16th. Now there's a bye in there. And there's also a game in Germany in there. Uh, they play at Carolina. I'm talking about from November for, uh, 5th through the 16th of December. At Carolina, they play New England in Germany. Then they have a bye week. Then they play Tampa at home. We don't think they're going to be very good. Then they play at Tennessee and then at Cincinnati. So it's a lot of stuff going on there. You know, only one home game over that stretch. If they're okay... Uh, towards the end of the season, they actually have at least three of their last four games are at home. They play Pittsburgh at home. They go to Atlanta for the one road game in the last four. Home against Las Vegas and home against Houston. And I think most teams would not mind having that schedule to end their season. All right, next segment, phone call time if you want to get in, 602-260-1060. Also today's local roundup. That includes some observations from the Cardinals' preseason opening victory over the Broncos. And the Diamondbacks won a series, albeit against the Padres over the weekend. We'll wrap up the hour, as always, with the uh, National Roundup. We'll get to some of the baseball from Sunday. And then don't forget, it's the Extra Point hosted by Kayla from 10 to noon. And that will include a Pittsburgh Steelers preview at around 10.15 with Ray Fittipaldo of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. You're listening to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLX HD2 100.7.
check out KDUSAM 1060 on 100.7 KSLX HD2. That's right, HD Radio on 100.7 channel number two. It's time for today's local roundup. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KUSAM 1060 and KSLUX HD2 100.7. In addition to the local roundup, it is phone call time to the KDUS hotline 602-260-1060. If you want to get in, feel free to interrupt at any point during this segment. 602-260-1060. All right, topping today's local roundup, the Cardinals won the preseason opener on Friday night. Third quarterback David Blau threw an 18-yard touchdown pass with two seconds left before the uh, the Cardinals converted the uh, two-point conversion attempt, and uh, that was uh, for an 18-17 victory against the Broncos. Some random thoughts from thir- uh, from Friday night. Friday night. Friday night. Starting with the offense, Colt McCoy was sharp. He was four out of four for 17 yards. Not much distance there, but he was accurate. Four out of four in the lone series that he played. He's expected to be, in case you don't know, the starting quarterback for at least week one, while Kyle Murray continues to rehab his torn ACL from last December. Clayton Toon, some good and some not so good. 13 of 23, 135 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Uh, the pick occurred after Rondell Moore fell on an inside route, uh, and it was just, you know, basically that was an easy pitch and catch, but Moore fell down, so it was an interception, and that really wasn't on tune at all. Meanwhile, the tackle spots uh, might include, uh, you know, there, there might be a couple of interesting roster decisions here. DJ Humphreys and Paris Johnson are clearly the starting left and right tackles, respectively, but the futures of Calvin Beecham. And uh, Josh Jones, not too sure what's going on with that. Uh, Beecham, uh, uh, the lone Cardinal offensive lineman who started every game last season, uh, has been a backup right tackle during training camp. He played some left tackle on Friday night, backup left tackle in essence. Josh Jones, the Cardinals' third-round pick of uh, former general manager Steve Keim, was playing right tackle from the fourth quarter of the first preseason game. That's usually not a particularly good sign. Uh, he's received multiple opportunities at multiple positions, and quite frankly, since he was drafted in 2020, has shown little signs of improvement, it seems. Meanwhile, on the defensive side, the Cardinals displayed a pass rush, which should not be that surprising because the defensive front, no matter whether it's the Cardinals or anybody else, those team, those you know that, that unit or the defensive front, however you'd like to phrase it, almost always has an advantage during preseason football games, especially early, because offensive lines are not used to the increased level of physicality. So maybe there should be some limited excitement uh, regarding edge rushers Landon Collins and Dennis Gardak and Cameron Thomas and also Jesse Lakita. Uh, and also down lineman, uh, you know, John, L.J. Collier, all those guys made some plays on Friday night. Also, rookie corner, sixth-round pick, Cheryl Clark, continue to show some ball skills. Personnel news, in addition to Murray, some of the Cardinals who did not play were Buda Baker, Hollywood Brown, James Conner, Trey McBride. Also, it was announced this morning that Zach Ertz has been cleared for football activities. The bottom line for Friday night, I don't think it makes any difference that the Cardinals won the game. Uh, the, uh, next, the Cardinals play their final preseason home game 
on Saturday night. They only have two home games in the preseason, but it's against the Chiefs, who I'm guessing will not play many of their starters after a handful of Kansas City players were injured last season on the Glendale playing surface during the uh, Chiefs' 44-21 Week 1 victory against the Cardinals last season. Meanwhile, the Diamondbacks, they won a series for just the second time since the All-Star break. The Diamondbacks uh, ended their nine-game losing streak on Saturday night with Zach Gallen starting the 3-0 victory against the Padres before the Diamondbacks rallied on Sunday to win 5-4. The Diamondbacks' news over the weekend was actually a, really a series of transactions. Uh, the Diamondbacks on Sunday designated Carson Kelly for assignment. Kelly, in parts of five seasons, hit 244 with 44 home runs and 153 runs uh, runs batted in. Uh, with Kelly's departure, the Diamondbacks have nothing now from the Paul Goldschmidt December 2018 trade. They got Kelly, Luke Weaver, and infielder Andrew Young in that trade. Uh, Kelly was uh, being DFA'd was not the only Sunday transaction. Uh, the Diamondbacks also optioned struggling starting pitcher Ryan Nelson, who was clobbered again at home on Friday night. Uh, and they also optioned third baseman Emmanuel Rivera. They did all that, too. They all they went back to AAA. Meanwhile, they activated catcher Gabriel Moreno to replace Kelly on the roster. They also, the Diamondbacks, purchased the contracts of Buddy Kennedy and pitcher Bryce Jarvis. Now, Jarvis... He was the first-round pick of Arizona in that 2020 draft, and uh, unfortunately the minor league season was canceled, so it kind of uh, stunted his growth there a little bit with all guys, that, um, almost everybody that was in that 2020 draft. And, you know, there's a handful of guys that you know, had some kind of, uh, you know, I forgot what they called that uh, training camp thing, or the it was a, just kind of a, you know, you know basically a, you know, like a taxi squad type of thing. Uh, but uh, he wasn't uh, even part of that, to my knowledge. Also on Saturday, the Diamondbacks cut ties with former top outfield prospect Christian Robinson, who at one time was considered a top 50 prospect in all of minor league baseball. But Robinson is gone. He played 43 minor league games. Of course, uh, you know, that was uh, after he assaulted a police officer prior to the 2020 season. He's still just 22. He was part of the 2017 International Draft. I'm assuming that some uh, team is going to give him a second opportunity. He's still 22, as I mentioned. At one time, he had a very high pedigree with the high minor league prospect ranking. Meanwhile, the bottom line, going back to the weekend against the Padres, the Padres are bad. Uh, something I've been saying for weeks. Uh, they left Arizona on Sunday having lost six out of seven. Uh, they've scored a total of 14 runs in their last six losses. Next up for the uh, Diamondbacks, they begin a three-game series tonight at last place Colorado. So here are the updated NL wildcard standings. The division leaders right now are Atlanta, Milwaukee, and the Dodgers. The three wildcard teams as of right now are Philadelphia, which has 34 losses, San Francisco, which has uh, 54 losses. I say you know, Philadelphia has 54 losses. Uh, San Francisco has 55. And the Miami Marlins, who had a, a heroic comeback in late innings yesterday, which I'll get to in the next segment. The Marlins have 57 losses. The Reds have 58 losses. 
Now the Cubs have 57 losses, but you know they're you know the the, the games behind thing. They have one extra win. Uh, they've actually played two more. The Reds have played two more games than the Cubs because of some rainouts early in the season. So that's a little skewed. The Diamondbacks right now have 59 losses. And just go back to the last team that's in the wild card situation right now. Uh, that would be uh, Miami. So the Diamondbacks are two games out of the wild card right now in the loss column. All right, coming up next, we'll have a news update with Corey. That will be followed by the conclusion of today's show with the National Roundup. That will include some MLB scoreboard highlights from Sunday. And uh, time pending, we'll get into a little more on uh, you know some uh, you know some football, college and pro, some more M- MLB. There was some news here in the last uh, few hours regarding uh, Wander Franco of the uh, Tampa Bay Rays and the Rays season, which started off so tremendously due to starting pitching injuries and uh, and this and a few other things has gone downhill quickly. And as I mentioned. Uh, at some strategical point last week that the Rays, it would be hard right now to favor them or at least to consider betting on them in any first-round series, no matter whom they would be playing in the American League. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7. AM 1060 into your home with Alexa. Hi, I'm Alexa. Download the KTUS AM 1060 skill and enable. Then say, Alexa, open the KTUS AM 1060. This is where I start my day. It's time for today's National Roundup. Welcome back. Final segment of today's Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KTUS AM 1060 and KSLUX HD 2 100.7. And from the scoreboard, the Dodgers have now won eight straight in 12 of their last 13 games. Julio Urias matched his career high with 12 strikeouts over seven innings of four-hit ball. Miguel Rojas homered and drove in four runs in the Dodgers' season-high eighth consecutive victory. I mentioned they've won eight straight. That's a season-high for them, as it would be for most teams. Uh, They won 8-3 yesterday against the Colorado Rockies. Urias, who's now 11-6 on the season, struck out seven consecutive Rockies and eight out of nine during uh, his final three innings of work. Uh, you know, didn't have much problems against Colorado's lineup, which is quite frankly not particularly good. Now, he had a 5.02 uh, run average, Urias did, in his first 14 starts of the season. He had some injuries. He was on the injured list twice during that run. But now... He's allowed just six runs over his last 24 innings with 24 strikeouts over his last four starts. While recording his third consecutive victory and his fifth win in the last seven starts, Urias also produced Los Angeles' uh, first start of the season with at least 10 strikeouts and no walks. Uh, Los Angeles has allowed just six runs total and 18 hits uh, during that uh, four-game series sweep of the Rockies. That's the first time they've swept the Rockies in a four-game series since 2016. So the Dodgers now eight and a half games ahead of San Francisco in the race for the uh, in their race for the 10th, 10th, 10th division title, he tried to say, in 11 seasons. Now on the injury front, not everything is still great. This J.D. Martinez thing just continues to linger. They still haven't placed him on the injured list. Uh, this has been going on for two weeks. Uh, he wasn't in the starting lineup again yesterday. I believe it's now he's missed three of the last four games. 
He was available to pinch hit yesterday, according to Dave Roberts, but with the big lead, they didn't need that. And uh, Roberts said after the game yesterday, they expect Martinez to play Tuesday. They don't play today, but uh, Tuesday, they expect Martinez back for the first time since August the 6th. Meanwhile, the Giants walked it off yesterday. Wild game in San Francisco. Wild maybe is kind of an exaggeration with the score 3-2 to two for the final score. But Patrick Bailey hit a two-run homer in the 10th inning. The Giants overcame a blown save by all-star co- uh, closer Camilio Duvall. And they beat the uh, the Rangers, the first-place Rangers, 3-2 to two on Sunday. That snapped a four-game losing streak for the San Francisco Giants. Bailey has been amazing so far this year. He's 24, did not start the season in the major leagues. Uh, He actually became the youngest Giants player to hit a game-ending home run since uh, Pablo Sandoval uh, back in 2009. Meanwhile, uh, San Francisco, is uh, they actually struck out a season-high 17 times yesterday. Uh, but they did snap uh, you know, the losing streak. They've, uh, they had lost six of their last seven games. In fact, Texas had actually won 10 out of 11 before yesterday. Next up for Texas, Max Scherzer, uh, 11-4 and four for the season. A combination of Mets and Texas with a 388 or run average faces the Los Angeles Angels today. Scherzer 2-0, two the 277 earned run average since he was acquired from the Mets. Meanwhile, the Yankees blew another win for Garrett Cole against the Marlins this time. And uh, the Marlins winning, that's not good for the Diamondbacks fans or those checking out those wild card standings. Cole allowed two runs. Uh, he's uh, Two runs again. He's allowed two runs or fewer in a Major League most 19 starts this season. But he's only 10-3 and three on the year because of frequent uh, you know, poor run support. And on Sunday... The normally effective bullpen imploded for the Yankees. Uh, going back to you know, specifically on Sunday, Jake Berger's game-ending single capped a five-run ninth inning against Clay Holmes and Tommy Canely, and uh, the Marlins up winning that game 8-7 to yesterday. Uh, New York now in last place. There are only two games above 500 now at 60-57. and They actually led 7-1 to in the sixth inning behind Cole, the Yankees now five games back in the uh, final wild card berth spot, so they're they're not doing well there. They're on track to miss the playoffs for the first time since 2016. Also, the Yankees are three eight and one in their last 12 series. They've lost six consecutive rubber games of three game series. It's just not a pretty picture. Now, the good thing for the Marlins is they were playing the Yankees in Miami. Uh, so in case you haven't heard, there's a few people from New York who have retired in Florida and here for that matter, but especially in Florida. The weekend series drew over 100,000 fans. Uh, the Marlins topped uh, 30,000 each day for the first time in the three-game home series since June 9th through 11th of 2012, and that was the ballpark's initial season. Meanwhile, also some other things ripped from the headlines and from the wire in the national scene uh, from the NBA. ASU alum James Harden has no plans to participate in the 76ers training camp despite uh, reportedly being uh, taken off the trade market. He also has called his general manager, Daryl Morey, who has supported him in Houston and Philadelphia over the years, a liar. So that's gotten completely seemingly at least verbally out of control. 
Meanwhile, around the NFL, Jadavion Clowney visited the, the Ravens and the Jags over the past week. He remains unsigned, however, at last look. And I looked in the break there to make sure he was still unseen. At least it hasn't been reported that he's been signed by anybody. Uh, the uh, Eagles lost a really important special teams player for them in the first preseason game. Uh, special teamers Sean Bradley went down with Achilles tendon injury over the weekend. Meanwhile, around college football, an agreement between the NCAA and Michigan head football coach Jim Harbaugh concerning penalties stemming from uh, what the NCAA deemed to be false statements that Harbaugh made to investigators. Well, that uh, that agreement is broken down, according to Yahoo Sports. It appears that Harbaugh will not be suspended for the first four games of this upcoming season. Might happen in the future, but it appears it's not going to happen in 2023. Around Major League Baseball, Shohei Otani, he's been forced to leave games with blisters or cramping issues multiple times the last few weeks. The Angels on Sunday announced that Otani will not uh, pitch on Wednesday against the Rangers because of arm fatigue, and he publicly has come out and said that he has arm fatigue. Meanwhile, uh, Major League Baseball is looking into the – you know, social media posts involving uh, Tampa Bay uh, shortstop Wander Franco, the 22-year-old shortstop and all-star, did not travel with the uh, with the Rays to San Francisco to be part of the series against the Giants, according to ESPN. Tampa Bay did not reveal the nature of the social media posts. There's all kinds of reports out there, and none of them seem to be good and uh, might get... Uh, Pretty bad. Uh, it seems like that uh, you know, we'll see what happens, but it's a, a vague situation, but it doesn't seem like it's going to have a good conclusion. And the Padres aggressively trying to sign Juan Soto to a long-term contract now. Uh, he's not a free agent until after next season. Uh, so according to uh, Bob Nightingale of USA Today, friend of the program, trying to assign, uh, assign Soto to a long-term contract. But by the way, last week, Soto questioned the effort of some of his San Diego teammates. All right, that's it for the Sports Zone for today. Stay tuned in the next two hours. It's time for the Extra Point, hosted by Kayla. That'll include a 2023 Pittsburgh Steelers preview with uh, Ray Fittipaldo of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. And we'll have more phone call time also in the next uh, couple of hours, 602-260-1060. This has been the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.